0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern base sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, as we talk to you about college basketball, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 123. <laughs> While baseball's opening day is a week away, today, the day that we're recording this episode of March 22nd, 2021, marks 211 years until James Tiberius Kirk, captain of the Starship Enterprise, will be born in Riverside, Iowa. While you may think sports and Star Trek have little in common besides just starting with an S, well, you're pretty much right. This took some digging. According to Star Trek canon, baseball was a popular sport that fell into decline in the 21st century, which I I would argue may or may not be true with the final World Series game being played only in 2024, which, I mean, I don't see that happening. This game was only attended by 300 people and the London Kings, which is a non-existent team, won with a walk-off home run. So we're already, already not quite real life canon. Baseball started to come back though in Star Trek in the 24th century, but it's like a novelty classical type thing. In Deep Space Nine, the crew played a game of baseball on the holodeck, which is just like a multi-person VR type room where Captain Captain Benjamin Sisko, played by Avery Brooks, wore number 15. Brooks specifically requested to wear number 15 as a tribute to his favorite baseball player, Dick Allen, who was real and actually just had his number 15 retired by the Phillies on September 3rd, 2020, before passing on December 7th. Um, Allen is also on the Golden Days Committee's ballot for a 2021 vote to the Hall of Fame's class of 2022. This was just a sad attempt for me to connect Star Trek, which I really like, just sports, which I also really like, and it was kind of hard. So there's your fun fact for the day. Mini short story and a history lesson. That's list.
1: interesting. Yeah. I would not put any of that together on my own. Yeah. So good for you. Well done. You obviously Thanks. did your research. So. I did. Star I Trek. Baseball dies out by 2024.
0: Yeah, that's not going to happen. But hey, you know, so with Deep Space Nine written, it happened.
1: Yeah, I don't see that happening. I also don't see March Madness dying out um, anywhere near 2024. That's going to continue for quite a long time. But before we get to all that's happened in March Madness this year, we have some big Iowa State basketball news to get you filled in on. Um, First, for those of you still aren't aware, um, Iowa State did lose in their first round of the Big 12 tournament to Oklahoma, thus ending the season without a conference win. Um, Not pretty, just very much not pretty. Because it wasn't pretty, um, Coach Prome was dismissed at the end of the year. We fired him. The coaching search did not take long. So obviously Jamie Pollard had somebody in mind before um, the firing. And that person was TJ Otz, Otzelberger how do I pronounce that somebody help me out there Kyle help me out how do I pronounce that
2: it's it is indeed Otzel Otzelberger
1: Otzelberger okay that's what I thought TJ Otzelberger um he was the head coach at UNLV before um the Cyclones hired him and then um he was also an assistant and a lead recruiter under um Fred Hoiberg the mayor when he was in Ames so um Again, somebody coming back home who obviously wanted to be here and can recruit to Iowa State. He's proved that. Um, So Jamie Pollard got his guy, right? The only time coaching searches go this quick is if you get the guy you set out to get. So, I mean, in the end, right, that was my one condition for firing Probe, right? Is that you know who you want to go get and you go get them. Um, And they definitely managed to do that. So I guess I'm in favor of it. Chrome was a good guy, but if you think you can go get somebody else and you get him, go get him. So any any other thoughts on the, the new hire?
2: So uh, I don't know how many of our listeners actually tuned in to watch the uh, his introductory press conference. But one of the things that was continually reiterated uh, and something that was brought up a lot by um, a lot of reporters, especially Randy Peterson of the Des Moines, Des Moines Register, uh, as well as a bunch of people from Cyclone Fanatic, they continued to ask Otzelberger, like, what was his uh, game plan for keeping keeping um, players like Xavier Foster and keeping uh, the lone signee of the 2021 recruiting class, Tyrese Hunter? Uh, and Otzelberger just continued to iterate that what his plan was is to recruit the types of players that fit his style and fit his system and fit the Cyclone way. Um, I, it was very apparent of that he wants to bring a certain uh, style of basketball back to Hilton Coliseum, and that is a winning culture with Hilton magic and in its prime, uh, like what a lot of people remember from the uh, Fred Hoiberg days back when he was roaming the sidelines with uh, TJ as his assistant coach. Um, he kept talking about guys like George Niang, Matt Thomas, and Monte Morris that really represented what it meant to be an Iowa State Cyclone, as, as well as Melvin Edgem. Uh, he was not very noncommittal about how he was going to get those players, whether that be through high school or through uh, the transfer portal, which has uh, gained a lot of popularity and steam, especially over the last two seasons. Uh, but he did say that they were going to be heavy, heavily hitting and recruiting players from the Midwest. Uh, players that are a- willing to buy into the culture that Iowa State stands for. Uh, and he is going to identify and hit those guys real hard, especially, hopefully, trying to recruit very, very well. Uh, in the home state of Iowa. This has already been uh, established as one of the two people that he actually went out and re-offered. Uh, some of his two offers already since becoming the head coach. One of them was uh, Tipsy, the Ames High point guard, who is a huge target for the Cyclones. He is in the 2022 recruiting cycle. Uh, so look to look to that and see how... Um, that continues to play out, but they want to try and keep that homegrown talent in Ames and playing in Hilton Coliseum. Uh, speaking of the transfer portal that I mentioned before, Iowa State has already had a couple players enter that transfer portal. Uh, one of them being Tyler Harris. One year after transferring in uh, from Memphis, he was originally recruited by um Steve Prome back before he committed to Memphis to play basketball, he is in the portal, as well as uh, Darlingstone Dubar, uh, who saw very, very minimal time early on in the season, and then not at all later on in the season uh, for Steve Prohm. Um, So he and, and Tyler Harris are out. That leaves three open scholarships for the 2021 cycle. Uh, that I believe is already accounting for um, Tyrese Hunter. Uh, he has not actually come out and stated if he is still 100% committed to Iowa State, but I'm sure uh, or Otzelberger has already been reaching out to him uh, via reports from different um, people closely associated with the department and with the basketball program. So, Stay tuned as we will continue to update you on the recruiting trail, as well as the um, transfers that are sure to uh, happen from this change.
1: Yep, and even though Iowa State is not taking part in March Madness, um, it is still going on and it has been um, pretty exciting. Um, We had some big upsets in the first round For example, Oral Roberts upsetting um, Ohio two seed Ohio State in the first round was definitely the biggest upset of the first round of the tournament. Um, We also had some big upsets: Texas falling to boy who the Abilene Christian um, was another big one. North Texas over Purdue and Ohio over Virginia were your biggest upsets in that first round of the tournament. Um, as far as Cinderella runs continuing, we already have um, four double digit seeds into the second round of the tournament with the or into the sweet 16, sorry. So already a quarter of the sweet 16 is guaranteed at double digit seeds with one more still having a chance here on Monday night. Um
2: it was definitely it was definitely a season or a tournament this year of lower seeds having very very good um, games or matchups against higher seeds. Uh, just in the round of sixty four alone, it was the first time ever that or uh, four teams seated thirteenth or lower won a game in the round of sixty four. So four teams ranked uh 13 14 and 15 made it through the round of 64 to the second round so uh it was definitely an a tournament of upsets but that was something that a lot of people were projecting coming into this year you know all these extenuating circumstances
1: yeah um covid hasn't been a major factor in this tournament we had a couple of um players out for a couple of different teams with covid oklahoma lost a player georgia tech We did have one game also that was declared a no contest due to COVID. The Oregon VCU first round game was declared a no contest with Oregon advancing VCU after they had multiple positives. Um, I wonder if that had a little bit um, of a factor with Oregon dominating Iowa um, in the second round on Monday afternoon. Um, If they just flash hadn't played a game, right? they were fresher and ready to go. I don't know if it played a factor at all. I mean, Oregon just looked like the better team. But But
2: at that point, it could have easily gone the opposite way, right? They hadn't played in 10 days uh, before this game. So they could have come out completely flat, uh, not having played that first game and Iowa, already having gotten into a rhythm of the tournament and gotten some of those jitters out of the way. But Oregon, like you said, was the better team in that game. Uh, and in the first half, they were averaging 1.36 points per possession, uh, which is nearly unheard of. On a good day, if you're if you're doing really well as a team, you're averaging right around one point uh, per possession is considered very, very good.
1: Yeah, it was Oregon just played really, really well to knock off Iowa. Um, Any of you have other big picture observations from this tournament? Otherwise, I've got one I want to share with you all. No other big picture observations.
2: So I just wanted to say like before today, before Monday, the 22nd, when we were recording this, uh, there had already been seven schools clinched from seven different, uh, conferences already being represented in the Sweet 16. The Missouri Valley, Big 12, SEC, ACC, the AAC, the Big East, and the Summit League all having representation uh, in the Sweet 16 so far. So not a lot of, of those Power 5 conferences are absolutely dominating the tournament. Uh, the Big 10 hasn't fared so well to start. Uh, The Big 12 did not fare so well on day one of round two. Uh, And so it just a lot of, a lot of different teams making it through Uh, And some of the teams that we thought, or I would say we thought, Mike and I had talked about this teams like Loyola uh, who we thought should have been ranked much higher in the tournament. It is to no surprise that they are into the round of 16 Um, as Illinois probably got one of the toughest draws in the bracket in that Midwestern region um, with Loyola being the team that they are. Also just love the fact that their big man has a mustache and absolutely is – he looks completely unathletic, but he's he's limber and mobile, and he did it all for Loyola.
1: Yeah, according to – just to touch on that Loyola point – According to Ken Palm, um, which is one of the college basketball rating systems I really like, Loyola was definitely under as an 8th seed because Ken Palm wouldn't have listed them as an 8th seed. They would have listed them as the 8th best team in the nation, not an 8th seed. So according to Ken Palm, that Loyola was terribly under and the best eight seed in NCAA tournament history. So if you're somebody who follows Ken Palm – You're not as surprised about that, but it's still an upset. Illinois was the second-ranked team in Ken Palm, so it's still an upset. Illinois is still a great team, but if you're a follower of Ken Palm, that upset was not nearly as surprising as it might have been to the general public who just saw an eight-seed beat a one. So just so you're aware, I think anybody who follows the Ken Palm sees that Loyola Chicago is vastly under in this tournament. Uh, My other big-picture observation, and this goes out to – Texas fans, Big Ten fans, and anybody calling the Big Ten terribly overrated. Stop overreacting to the results of the NCAA tournament. We have a good chunk of Texas fans calling for the firing of Shaka Smart coming off a Big 12 championship because he lost one basketball game in the NCAA tournament. Calm down, folks. Texas basketball was irrelevant before Shaka Smart you just won a conference championship. Don't fire him. Don't fire Shaka Smart.
2: Okay. So you can't, you also can't say that Texas basketball was irrelevant before Shaka Smart because before then, uh, what was his, his, he coaches at uh, Tennessee now. Um, uh, Shoot. I forget who his name is, but he, well, for at least one season had Kevin Durant. Um, and that was a year that they actually, I think they at least won a game in the NCAA tournament that year when Kevin Durant played for Texas back when. So, I mean, Texas wasn't completely irrelevant before Shaka Smart, but Shaka Smart has Texas into the NCAA tournament more often than Steve Prome had Iowa State into the NCAA. That's what job security is in college basketball is making the NCAA tournament.
1: And and it's not like even though Shaq Smart has not had NCAA tournament success at Texas, it's not like he hasn't had it. He took VCU to a Final Four and an Elite Eight. So it's not like he is just incapable of coaching in the NCAA tournament. Don't overreact to one game sample sizes in the NCAA tournament.
2: It was also only a one point loss. Calm down, Texas fans. Also, Jay Billis has absolutely trash. uh, He has, he has garbage takes all the time. Jay Billis uh, absolutely falls in love with love with teams like North Carolina and Duke who are always seem to be overrated as well. And now he's calling for Shaka smarts head. Don't listen to analysts at ESPN either. Uh, They are also bad. Uh, we just, we, we're getting to the point where we don't like ESPN here. So at least I'm in that boat. I, I don't know if I speak for the rest of the cast, but that's where I'm starting to get.
1: But ESPN signed a new deal with the NHL. There's going to be hockey back on ESPN. Like I'm all about that.
2: That's good because the, well, ESPN literally needed someone to, or something to save them from the Actual, absolute dumpster fire that they are. Absolutely losing tons of money every year. Disney just keeping them afloat. Uh,
1: so yeah, every time you go to Disney World, you're keeping ESPN afloat. Just saying. Speaking of keeping, uh, no, I'm not done. Hey, I am not done. Not done, done, done yet. About people overreacting about the NCAA tournament. Man, I thought you were done. I am not done. I only touched on one of my two points. You also cannot make judgments about conferences as a whole based on the NCAA tournament, right? You can't say that just because the Pac-12 happens to be 8-0 at this point, that, oh, the Pac-12 was obviously the best conference in college basketball, what on earth were we thinking? No, that's not true, right? It's eight games. In an eight game sample size, eight games is such a small sample size in college basketball. Can we say that maybe the Pac-12 was underrated and maybe the big 10 was slightly overrated? Yes, we can say that, especially in this year when there wasn't a ton of crossover play. But still, in general, you cannot make those blanket assumptions based off a few games in the NCAA tournament. Anybody can beat anybody on a given day, right? If you play that, for example, if you play that Ohio State all Roberts game 20 times, Ohio State is going to win it 19 times. Oral Roberts just happened to be the one time that Oral Roberts was going to win. It happens. You can't overreact about an entire conference or an entire team based on the results of the NCAA tournament. Okay. Don't overreact about the NCAA tournament. Enjoy it. It's fun. Don't overreact.
2: I mean, look at it. Uh, this year, a 15 seed into the uh, sweet 16 A couple of years ago, UMBC beat Virginia as the first 16 seed uh, to beat a one seed. And then in 2013, Florida Gulf Coast made their magical run to the Sweet 16. That was the Lob City team. Uh, it it happens. Teams have really good runs. That's why they're Cinderella stories. Loyola made it as an 11 seed to the Final Four uh, in 2018. So teams like that will make runs. But when you're playing on... When you're playing basketball, there's so much at stake, especially when you get teams that have never matched up against each other. They don't have enough or they don't have a ton of time to plan for it, especially if you're looking at um, just take, for example, uh, teams that end up losing in the second round, like West Virginia lost to Syracuse. You don't have a lot of time to prepare for a team like Syracuse who has a coach who's always masterful at winning games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, It's tough to turn around and play a game in two days and come up with a very, very adequate game plan to stop certain teams like that that are hot in the NCAA tournament. So there's a lot – there. you can't gain a lot from the NCAA tournament except for the fact that it's chaos and you should relish it because we actually get to watch it this year because we didn't get to watch it last year.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, of course, just like the NCAA men's tournament didn't happen last year, the NCAA women's tournament didn't happen last year, which definitely cost um, the Iowa State women um, a chance at a tournament appearance because they definitely would have made the tournament last year. But they're getting another shot this year. They are a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. They played their first game Monday evening against the Michigan State Spartans, or what is it now, the MSU Spartans by Rocket Mortgage, right? Did you guys hear about that? That Michigan State like changed their mascot to the MS. They now the MSU Spartans, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage, starting next year. Like that's actually their official name: the Spartans, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage, or something like that. It was terrible. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the Cyclone women did get the victory in a hard-fought game, seventy-nine to seventy-five, on Monday against Michigan State. Um, Ashley Jones scored 33 points to break the Cyclones record, um, previously held by Bridget Carlton for points in an NCAA tournament game. Um, Iowa State shot the three ball well, as they always do. That, that's what uh, Coach Fenley's teams are known for, threes and free throws. Shoot them well, and you need to win a lot of games.
2: Well, so the- so that's actually the thing. So they did shoot really well from three. They shot 41% from three uh, in this game, and – Uh, Outside of Ashley Jones there were only two other cyclones who scored in double figures. Uh, Lexi Darnarski had actually a pretty off game compared to what she normally uh, is accustomed to she did not make a three point attempt and only had three field goals uh, from the floor but she was hitting her free throws. The one who was not was Ashley Jones who led all big 12 players in free throw percentage this year, over 89% uh, in the season. So that was a little bit uncharacteristic for the Cyclones. They were actually 20 of 28 uh, from the free throw line, only 71%. They're usually up a little bit higher, closer to that 80% range. Uh So looking forward in their second round matchup, they get to play Texas A&M, which barely won against Troy. They play the two seed Texas A&M in that game. Um, So looking forward, what Iowa State really needs to do when I was watching this game, one, they're going to have to get back on defense better than they were against Michigan State. There were too many times where Iowa State either uh, missed a a three-pointer or uh, just any field goal from the floor and Michigan State was able to out- outlet the ball and get going on a fast break and Iowa State did not get back very well. Um, that is something that they're going to have to do uh, much a much better job at against Texas A&M in this second game. Another uh, thing that I think that they're going to have to limit is their turnovers. They had a lot of Costly turnovers in some crit- crucial uh, periods of this game against Michigan State. They had 13 total turnovers overall in the game against MSU. Uh, I, I believe that in order for them to have a really solid chance of beating Texas A&M in the second round, they're going to have to keep that below 10 uh, for the game. Also, free throws. They just got to gotta hit more than they do, especially with the way that this team is and how they're built getting to the free throw line, especially Ashley Jones. uh, I believe this team needs to be closer to that 80% clip in order for them to have a really good this game. I think it's going to be a hard fought game. Texas A&M in the season has only lost uh, twice. They are 24 and two uh, this season. Iowa state has lost 10 times. Um, But this game is going to ride on the shoulders of, Ashley Jones, uh, Lexi Donarski needs to have a better game. I think she's going to have to drive to the basket a little bit more, get herself into more of a rhythm uh, to try and take some of the load off of Ashley. And one of the players that I was actually very, very uh, pleasantly surprised of is Emily Clark, who is another freshman on this team. She did not like the spotlight wasn't too big for her in this game. She absolutely wanted the ball in her hands as the point guard. She was uh, distributing the ball uh, magically. She was a magician out there Uh, multiple times. She had great assists and outlooks down court uh, on some fast breaks. She ended up with six assists in the game. Um, She's going to have to uh, be that floor general for the Cyclones going forward. Uh, in this tournament, and I think if she can do that, Jones and Darnarski are um, able to contribute to how they were uh, or what they were doing throughout the year that earned um, Jones first team uh, accolades as well as uh, Dornarski freshman uh, freshman of the year in the Big 12. Um, I think they actually do have a really really good shot at possibly knocking off the two seed uh, Texas A.
1: Yep. Look for that game to be on Wednesday on the ESPN family of networks. Um, Game time is still TBD as a recording because the second or the first round still is not over for the women. So that game time will be announced probably sometime Tuesday morning and the game will be played on. So look for that um, chance for the Cyclones to hopefully make a run to the. um, Also cool is the fact that baseball is one plus two days away. We are about a week and a half away from opening day now. Um, And so far COVID has not had a big impact on spring training. I have not heard of any games canceled because of COVID um, from spring training. So baseball is doing something right um, as far as their COVID protocols and getting everything in that. So that's good. looks like we're gonna have an uninterrupted start to the baseball season. Most ballparks are going to have at least partial capacity to start the year. It'll be good to see fans back in the stands. Um, Tune into next week's episode because on next week's episode, we will be less than a week away from the start of baseball season. So, of course, that means you'll get our MLB season predictions here on the eighty-three eleven cast. So you'll get to see all of the teams you should not pick to win the World Series because you're going to see the ones we pick to win the world series. So um, tune in next week to hear that um, as we do an MLB season preview and predictions, of course, but for now, just keep an eye on those spring training games. Um, The rules start to actually matter now at this point in spring training and you'll start to see regulars um, play a majority of games and a majority of innings in those games as camps get smaller and um, we get closer to the start of the regular Saturday ready. So just enjoy watching baseball. Enjoy that COVID has not had a huge impact um, yet and hope that that remains the case here through the remainder of the regular season. You know what else we hope remains through the regular season here?
2: The weekly turtle tab. I'm assuming you well, are alluding yes. to. Yes,
1: the weekly turtle tab is obviously going to remain. We'll always tell you about the about how our Will and Zostadio is doing baseball. savior. But what we hope continues is the phenomenal success that Willens Astadio has had over these last few weeks in spring training. Um, He has upped his batting average to 360 now on spring training. Um, So he is doing really well. His OPS for spring training is now a whopping 1,127. So he continues to just knock the cover off the ball. Over the last couple of weeks, he has hit two home runs. He's now driven in six Runs here over the course of spring training, while continuing to play all over the field, including a couple starts in the outfield um, these last weeks. So Willens Astadio continues to show his utility. His chances of making the opening day roster also increased here when the Twins optioned a couple of their other utility infield options um, down to the minor league camp. So. Willens Astadio has a decent shot here to be on the Twins opening day roster. And of course, as rosters trim down over the next week and a half, we will continue to keep you informed on Willens Astadio's status with the Twins.
2: I I have a question.
1: Yeah, what's your question? Uh,
2: I, I sense that you're super excited about his success in spring training, but I also have heard from you before that stats in spring training don't matter.
1: That's true. Stats in spring training... Don't matter, but what does matter is Will and Zastadio showing enough to make the team. That's what I'm excited about is he's showing enough to make the team more than the actual numbers themselves. So, because once he makes the team, then the numbers matter. So you got to get him to make the team, which means he's got to look impressive, which he has. So there you go.
2: I mean, he looks impressive when he's running around the bases with his helmet flying off. Yeah, so yeah, all he we does. Need
1: Those <laughs> luscious locks flying. Yes, he does. He just wants to show the world that chubby people run, too. Um, Do you know what? I don't know. I don't have a transition for that. We're going to go into um, Mike's Stupid <laughs> Rules segment now. I was trying to do a good transition, and it just didn't happen. So we're just going to talk about the rules. Um, with March Madness in full swing, of course, I've been watching a lot of basketball and with a lot of basketball. There've been a lot of close games and these close games result in a lot of full court pressing um, near the end of games. So something that I um, had to look up here over the last week was about the 10 second back court violation in the NCAA and specifically when that timer resets and when it doesn't reset for that 10 second back court violation. So The rule we're looking at right now in the NCAA rulebook, if you've got your handy pocket NCAA rulebook around, is Rule 9, Section 10. It's specifically about the 10-second backcourt. So the 10-second count begins when a player legally touches the ball in that team's backcourt, or after a rebound, um, that the player gains control of the ball. So if an inbounds pass, it's just touching, if it's off a rebound, it's actually control instead of being touched. Now that 10 seconds is how long they have to get the ball across midcourt. Once that 10-second count begins, it is um, the the count only resets or the count resets on all stoppages of the game clock, with the exception of the defending team knocking the ball out of bounds or a jump ball that results in that team retaining possession. So those are the only two times that clock does not reset. Um, when the, the 10 second clock does not reset when there is a, uh, a clock stoppage. So a timeout, no matter who calls it, would reset that 10 second clock, though the defending team can't call a timeout legally while well, the ball is in play. Um, a foul, On either team, would we set that clock, obviously on the offense, it's a turnover. So he sets the clock fell on the defense. Also, he sets that. So there you go. Only, only a deflection by the defense or a jump ball where the offense retains possessions do not reset that clock. Otherwise the timeout does reset that clock. So if you're nine seconds in and you call that timeout, if you're on offense, you got 10 more seconds to bring that ball back up the court. So there you go. That is when that 10-second clock reset. So if you ever see the shot clock down at like 16 and wonder why they didn't get a 10-second call on them because they're still in the backcourt, look for one of those reasons why that clock, that 10-second clock could have been reset. There you go. NCAA rulebook, Rule 9, Section 10 on the 10-second backcourt violation.
2: I like that. But it does bring back bad memories of this season I think this really just sums up Iowa State's basketball season in a nutshell. They got a 10 second backcourt violation without any full court press on them at all. They just got a 10 second violation by too slowly walking the ball up the court.
1: That, that's just a lack of awareness. Yeah. Like you got to be aware that you're going to get the ball across the court in 10 seconds, you know? Yeah,
2: that sums it all up.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Jordan you know Else will sum up is a lot of our predictions from this year's uh, college basketball season are pretty much um, pretty much done here with the Cyclones' um, men's season ending. So we'll take a lot of predictions off the board in our accountability session for our Write That Down Prediction segment. Um, first to come off the board was literally Wyatt's first prediction of this Write That Down season, when he predicted that Iowa State would make the NCAA tournament, which they did not. So, for that, it gets a. Nah. Nah. He also predicted midway through the season that Iowa State would make it to the Elite Eight, which, if you don't make the tournament, it's tough to make it to the Elite Eight. So,. Nah. Nah. Um, at the start of this NFL offseason, Josh uh, predicted that the Packers would lose running back Aaron Jones. who was an unrestricted free agent, but they did actually re sign him here in the last week. So, they will retain his services for the year. So, for that, Josh gets a. Nah. Um Kyle predicted the Cyclone women would win two Big 12 tournament games. They had a first-round exit in a close game, in an overtime game, actually, to Texas in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. So for that, Kyle gets a, nah. nah. Um, I predicted the Cyclone men would beat OU in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, which, as we told you earlier, they did not. So, Nah. nah. And Josh predicted the Cyclone men would win at least one more game going into the big 12 tournament. They did not. So for that, Josh gets it. Nah. Bad week of accountability session for all of us. Kyle, do you want to put some hopefully more accurate predictions up on the board? Well, here for
2: us? Well, I just want to say this to all of our listeners, for any of you who decide to participate in sports betting, um, I would not use any of our predictions ever Uh, to potentially place any bets, parlays, prop bets, any of that, uh, you will probably end up losing a significant amount of money because we are just trash. With that being said...
1: Always gamble responsibly. You may lose money.
2: Thanks for that. Uh, So with that, uh, I am going to... Well, this is merely a, a prediction that was in spite of something that will be coming up. In just a little bit, uh Gonzaga will not make the national championship game. They will at least lose in the Final Four.
1: Okay. Um, so according to 538, the live updated um predictions, they literally update them as the games are being played. Um, so right at this very second, based on the current results of the games in progress, Gonzaga has a 49% 49% chance to make the national championship. So basically 50-50. Um, according to eighty-three eleven cast, write that down prediction rules, a 50-50 prediction is a single. So this looks like a single to me. Sounds good. Single it is. Um, my prediction, this is the one that Kyle made this in spite of, because my prediction is that the national championship game will be Gonzaga versus Houston. So I'm saying Gonzaga will go to the national championship game, and they will play Houston. I'm not saying who win, but I'm saying that's what the game will be: Gonzaga versus.
2: So according to 538, same site, Houston has a 21% chance to make the national team. That have- means
1: that in general, these the odds that both of them happen, if you use your statistical. Um, since they're independent events, since they're on opposite sides of the bracket, obviously they don't influence one another. The odds that a 50% thing happened and a 20% thing happened is 10%.
0: Wyatt, you make the call. What is 10% our our scoring system? I forgot. Is that a triple? A 10% chance?
1: It's, it's in triple home run type chat.
0: Yeah, a triple sounds fine to me.
1: I'm fine with
0: that. I just wanted to verify. I, d- I don't like to assume I know what our scoring is, even though I do this every week. I seem yeah. to always screw it up. So I just want to yeah, verify. Yeah, and that's why I used
1: to be quiet because you usually screw it up in my favor. <laughs>
0: exactly. so that's why you
1: need to be quiet and let <laughs> you guys give me more bases than I deserve. No,
0: I was, I'm was. i trying to get better about that. Cool. Uh, uh,
1: right. Well, can you get better
0: at your predictions here, too? Definitely not. That's not the goal of this season. Maybe next season it can be my. Uh, <laughs> My new season's resolution. <laughs> this week, I'm going to say that Kansas beats Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. So I'm not going all the way to the Natty. It's just pretty simple prediction there.
2: So Gonzaga's chance to win their Sweet 16 game is 80% according to 538. Uh, Kansas has a 34% chance to make it to the fi- or to the Elite Eight, and only a 9% chance to make it to the Final Four.
1: Well, so then the quick quick math. This is not completely accurate. Says 0.8 percent chance that Gonzaga is in that um, Sweet 16 game, times point uh, times point for the nine percent chance that Kansas makes it to the Elite Eight. There is about
2: no 0.34 chance that they make it to the Elite Eight. Sorry, only a nine percent chance that they make it to the Final Four.
1: No. Oh yes, uh, yes, nine percent chance that they beat Gonzaga. Yeah. Yes, in the to go to the Final Four, but if so Gonzaga doesn't make that's it to, about a seven percent chance that this happens. So again, we're in triple home run territory. I would say probably home run for that.
2: Yeah, I would also say so.
1: Home run! I it is. I
2: like it.
0: anything you know, from Josh Is He's still alive. Actually, I yep. know he's alive. He sent me a picture of a cute dog. He was walking earlier today. Go, Josh!
1: Oh, I love cute dogs. But yes, um, Josh predicts that no one seeds will make the final four. Um, Mm -hmm. So one seed Illinois is already out. They get knocked out uh, by the Royal Chicago. All the other one seeds have already advanced to the sweet 16. Um, According to 538, there's a 60% chance that one seed Baylor makes the final four. There's a 64% chance that one seed Gonzaga makes the final four and a 29% chance that one seed Michigan makes the final four. So who's going to do the math? This math is a little bit harder to do. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not uh, off the top of my head math because I don't remember some of my probability rules to make this happen. Boy, e mutually exclusives, none of them happen. I think I can maybe do math, hold on, I, I
0: believe in you. My combinatorics is very rusty, so.
1: Um, so it's gonna be, oh, math is hard. Time, filler, 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 Will Mike does math. Um, We
0: talk about more Star Trek. That was a great start to the episode. We should have a Star Trek podcast. There's some filler content for you. I don't know what we can talk about, but on a
1: Star Trek podcast. Star Trek podcast I think my statistics are off because I came up with a fifteen percent chance that that happens, and that seems too high to me. But anyway, this seems like a triple.
2: Probably. That's fine.
1: I'm feeling triple.
0: I can feel it. Feel it in my bones.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling triple for that. So
0: with a single, two triples, and a home run, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 123 of the ADD. We hope you come check us out again next week on episode 124. But in the meantime, make sure you check out our Instagram at 8311Caster. We post cool pictures, and you can slide into our DMs. Signing off for the ADD of the Cast Baker, hosts, Kyle Murph,
1: Mike Ludwig, and
0: Wyatt Deer. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones!
1: Go Cyclones!
0: Go
2: Cyclones!